0: I was getting a little nervous. I'm watching all these kids, and I'm like, don't see any adult yet. This could get interesting. <laughs> all right, Psalm 89 is a blessing to be able to come and to open God's Word and and to share with you a little of what God gives me throughout the week, and then to come and and sing His praises together and uh, uh Truly a blessing today. Appreciate those men singing. We look forward to Steve getting back from Alaska because he we nick we nicknamed that group Steve's Boys. And then Steve went off to Alaska all summer with for you know without us. So we look forward to Steve being back too and, and singing with those guys. But truly a blessing and good to just come and sing his praises, to fellowship together afterwards and, and even during the service and enjoy each other's company, and uh, it, it really doesn't matter what Governor Polis says. We will not be a meatless church. We will kill the beef. We will eat the beef. We will eat the pork. We'll eat the fish. We'll eat the squirrels if we get hungry. <clears throat> anyway, you know, it. How could you say that you know it's it's season. It's deer season right now. Archery season. Did you guys know that? And we live by the motto if you have a tag, if it's brown, it's down. So we uh just excited to just come and and enjoy each other's company and uh truly just uh, uh praise him for how good he is to us and and we we've been doing a series and and uh we're we're actually going to continue this up until I have about 10 more messages, counting this one of, of this series of how to be happy in a dysfunctional world, <clears throat> and we are definitely in a time where, where our happiness is challenged many times, and, and we, uh, it, it would be easy to become cynical. It would be easy to just be mad uh, all the time at everything that we see going on, and, and uh uh, but that isn't at all what what God wants us to do, and it isn't at all of how God wants us to react to uh, what's going on in our world today. And and as we get into Psalm 89, uh, we're going to look at the first 16 verses of Psalm 89 today, and and uh, uh, says that uh, it was a meditative psalm that was written by Ethan the Ezraite, and uh, another name for uh, Ethan they they do believe was uh, Jethan and Jethan was a musician uh, during the time of David and so while King while David was king that uh, it was then that Jethan came on and and was a a great musician that that uh, uh, wrote many things I'm sure and played the instruments in bringing honor and glory to God and and uh, that was his position and and that he did. And then it goes on later and it talks about in in uh, Solomon's reign that uh, he, he there was uh, noted for his wisdom uh, by Solomon during his kingdom. And then we get to the point of where after Solomon, we see that Solomon's son comes along, Rehoboam, and we see that Rehoboam becomes the 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 fourth king, and it's during the reign of Rehoboam that we see the the tribes being split. We see Benjamin and Judah uh, continue to to be one one set, and they refer to it as Judah. And then we see Israel then were the other ten tribes. And so what we had was a, a civil war that took place, and and we see some real chaos go on. And so keep your fingers here in Psalm and. And I want us to read some of that story and, and, and think about the chaos that, that must have been going on during that time. Over in 1 Kings chapter 11, we're going to read a few verses, and, and bear with me, we're going to read a number of verses, but I want you to, to understand the, the chaos that must have been taking place uh, during this time. In, in 1 Kings chapter 11, we see in verse 26, it says, in Jeroboam, the son of Naboth an Ephrathite of Zereda, Solomon's servant, whose mother's name was Zeruah, a widow woman, even he lifted up his hand against the king. And this was the cause that he lifted up his hand against the king. First of all, what right does a servant have to do anything? And and here he raises his hand against the king. Solomon built Melo and Repaired the breaches of the city of David his father, and the man Jeroboam was a mighty man of valor. And Solomon, seeing the young man that he was industrious, he made him ruler over all the charge of the house of Joseph. And it came to pass at that time, when Jeroboam went out of Jerusalem, that the prophet Ahijah, the the Shelanite, found him in the way, and he had clad himself with a new garment, and they two were alone in the field. And Ahijah, or Ahiah, caught the new garment that was on him and rent it in twelve pieces. And he said to Jeroboam, Take thee ten pieces, for thus saith the Lord, the God of Israel. Behold, I will rend the kingdom out of the hand of Solomon and will give ten tribes to thee. but he shall have one tribe for my servant's sake and for Jerusalem's sake, the city which I have chosen out of all the tribes of Israel. Because that they have forsaken me, and have worshipped Ashtaroth, the goddess of the Zidonians, Chemosh, the god of the Moabites, and Milcom, the god of the children of Ammon, and have not walked in my ways to do that which is right in mine eyes, and to keep my statutes and my judgments as did David his father. Howbeit, I will not take the whole kingdom out of his hand, but I will make him prince all the days of his life for David my servant's sake, whom I choose because whom I chose, because he kept my commandments and my statutes. But I will take the kingdom out of his son's hands, and will give it unto thee, even ten tribes, and unto his son will I give one tribe that David my servant may have a light alway before me in Jerusalem, the city which I have chosen me to put my name there. And so the reason that he did this is because Solomon, if you remember, had seven hundred wives and three hundred concubines. And it tells us that during the, the reign of Solomon that, that he was very wise in many things, but we see that one thing that he was not wise in was that he did not continue to walk with God, but he allowed all of those women to affect him because he started marrying these women that did not believe as, as they should and did not follow God. And so pretty much now by this time the kingdom is being Uh, uh, diversified in, in all of their worship, and some were worshiping God, some were worshiping Ashtaroth, others, all of these different gods that were out there. And so now we see that the country is a mess, and God has said that now because of his disobedience, I'm going to rip out of his hands 10 of the tribes of the 12 tribes of Israel, and he's going to lose them because they choose not to follow me. And then it tells us that Solomon slept with his fathers in verse 43. He died and was buried in the city of David, his father. And Rehoboam, his son, raised in his stead. And, and so we see the digression of Solomon's reign. But then we also see the foolishness of Rehoboam as he comes on. And, and here he is, a young man. And, and, and I'm sure he's full of pride. And, and here he is thinking that he can do things so much better than, than what his dad was doing. And, and even what... Uh, Uh, the king david had done and rehoboam went uh, to shechem for all israel were come to shechem to make him king and it came to pass when jeroboam the son of nabot who was yet in egypt heard of it for he was fled from the presence of king solomon and jeroboam dwelt in egypt so solomon heard about this and, and in the last part of chapter 11 we see he actually sent assassins to go out and kill him so he fled to egypt and he was hiding out He hears that Solomon died. And so they sent and called him. And Jeroboam and all the congregation of Israel came and spake unto Rehoboam, saying, Thy father made our yoke grievous. Now therefore make thou the grievous service of thy father and his heavy yoke which he hath put upon us lighter, and we will serve thee. And he said unto them, Depart ye, depart yet for three days, then come again to me. And the people departed. And so Rehoboam thought you know it would probably be a good idea to get the counsel of of some wise men and so he goes to the older men those that that i would say are 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 still a part of that remnant the the part that still served god the part that that wanted to do what was honoring to god and and so he goes to this older group of men and he says so what do you guys think should i do this should i ease things up for jeroboam and the other servants and and make their loads lighter so that they can so that they will come and 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 will still be a nation together and 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 do this and they said yes you should he said, okay, and so then he goes to the, to the young guys, and, and it's the young guys that are living it up in this new world, and they're, they're living it up in the humanistic philosophy of that day, and they are, they're, they're living it up in worshiping whatever god it was that, that they wanted to worship. And, and so he goes to these hip-hop guys that are all about the society of the day, and he says, so what do you guys think? What should I do? And they said, oh, you don't want to do that. You don't want to make anything lighter. Tell them you're going to bow to him, that they're going to bow to you, and that, that what, 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 Jeroboam, or, or what your, your dad Solomon had done, I'm going to do ten times worse than that, and you're going to take it, and you're going to love it, and you're going to serve Rehoboam with everything that you have. And so Rehoboam, in all of his lack of wisdom, goes to them and tells them exactly that, and told Jeroboam that. And then on top of that, he had the audacity that he then sends a representative into those ten nations and, and says, I'm here to collect the duty, to collect the tax that you owe the king and pay up. You know what they did? They killed him. And civil war started. And so now we have king against king. We have Jeroboam who has taken over the the ten nations of Israel, is what they would call them, and 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 uh, Rehoboam now is still has the two nations, the Benjamin and Judah, and and that we re- refer to the rest of uh, throughout the Old Testament as Judah. And we see that they chose then to do what it is that they wanted to do, and and and. Fortunately, Rehoboam, even in his lack of wisdom, we see there, there's still a remnant that stayed with him, and, and we know that there were some good kings that came along that, that served God and worshipped God on Judah's side. However, do you realize that in when Israel was separated and those ten nations separated and they took a new king, that until the day when they were taken captive by, by uh, Babylon, that there was not one good king? king in Israel. Not one. Not one. And from that point on, in this time, we see a great civil war that took place. And we see that it started splitting the countries. And and there was an unrest. And there was a moral failure. There was a spiritual dearth in the land. And, and all of these things are taking place. And, 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 and people are watching their their country get split and, and in a desperate situation. <clears throat> kind of reminds you of where we're at today, doesn't it? Kind of reminds us of a country that at one time, I, I, find this, I find this sad, but just something that came to my mind that was read to me yesterday, that the giving of people in the church, the percentage of people who gave, it was higher during the Great Depression, than it is today. Isn't that sad? I, I I find that that we're in a world today that is so focused on having things that that they have gotten themselves in, into a point in their in, in their financial status where they're paying for a fine home. They're look, you can you can run down the interstate. I guarantee you, go up here at Greg and Heidi's right now. You can sit there and and watch the interstate and you can watch somebody drive by with a $70,000 truck pulling a $100,000 camper with a $60,000 boat tied on behind the camper. And then they're living in some fine home and all they're doing is living month to month trying to make it and and thinking that this is what's going to make them happy in doing this and they might take 3 days here and and, and where and they don't need to, but they take these three days and ride around on that fancy boat as they've parked that fancy truck and living in that fancy camper. And they said, Man, isn't this going to bring us happiness? And oh, how good it is. And then they go back on Monday night and they think, Man, now i got to go back to work because i got to pay for all these things. And you're in such a cycle and and you're in such a burden that that there is no happiness in any of those things that you have. And you're caught in a cycle. and, And here we have that group of people in our world today that are unhappy about that. You have a group of politicians that are saying... Look I'll give you everything that you can ever imagine if you'll just vote me in we'll give you everything and it'll all be free and, and we can pay for your college and, and and we can wipe away your debt and and, and I even heard some commercial that that uh, about paying back your credit card debt and and it's not your fault that, that you got yourself in such a bind with all of these credit cards. And it's their fault, and you don't have to pay it all back, and you can still keep your good credit, and and so you have the politicians say, hey, I'll give you everything that you ever want, and and then... Then there's others that are telling you that, oh, you work too much and you deserve more. And, and, and I mean, it's just everywhere. And then you have those that are in our schools today and in our universities today that are, that are saying that, oh, you need to live for self and you're never going to find happiness until you're getting everything that you want and everything that you deserve. And look, I, I had a guy come in not too long ago. And look, he told me, he said, I need a job. I'm looking for a job. I thought he was looking for a job. So I told him, I said, I, if you're drug-free, I said, I almost guarantee you could go to Cargill today and get a job. Well, I don't want to work there. Well, I went downhill from there. <clears throat> but, anyway, I just, I just told him, I said, well, you're obviously not very hungry. And the scriptures say, if you don't work, you don't eat. So get a job. Anyway, he sends me a text later, a message later, and and says, you know what I'm going to do because I saw your plush office, and thank you, Lord, it is a very nice office. I praise the Lord for those that have gifted me with so many pictures and different things that are on the wall. I thank God for those bookshelves that were built out of the old pews of the old building and and the sweat and the blood that went into building all of those bookshelves that are in there and the and the, and the nice coffee bar and and in the and the beautiful oak desk that all came out of that and and all of the the sweat and the blood and the tears that has gone in to the last 22 and a half years of of seeing this ministry go up and down and over and and over all of these things and he says you know and after i saw that plush desk that you have and the nice chair and the nice office, then I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to go out and get a grant and become a pastor. Well, first of all, I'd like to find where the grant's at. I'd sure like to have those things given to me. I think it would be interesting to do that after after eight years of college and and paying the bill. And, you know, I found out that you, you work to pay your bill. You work to eat. You work to to do those things but that's where our society is at today we we need to be given everything and when we're not given everything then then we're going to be upset and then then I read this week that a a a college where where was it um uh maybe it's Indiana I think but but anyway that if if someone comes up to you on campus and says something that that is upsetting to you and and that offends you you're supposed to say ouch ouch. You know, I guarantee you there have been times where every one of you in here can say ouch to me. However, I also want you to know that there are many times when you guys have done things and said things that I could say ouch also. But You know what you figure out? You do. You do it as a family. You love each other anyway. You get angry with each other. You you can, my family, yell and scream at each other and, and not my my kids and my wife. They're just, they're, like weird they're like quiet about everything this is my family back in missouri yell and scream you know and and those that aren't saved cuss a little bit along the way you know and and then but at the end of the day you give each other a hug you love each other and you move on And, and and but but you still make things work and in our society today everybody's looking to be offended well i i don't i don't mean to say this in the flesh but if you want to be offended here i am you're going to get offended today. But that's where our world's at. And look, our world, our country is headed for a civil war. Our country is headed to a point where there are those that are going to say, and, and, and look, we've gone way past socialism. We're, we're moving into the area of communism that, that our Democrat party is already supporting And our Republicans are dabbling their feet in it and getting ready to jump in the pool together. And there's going to come a day where they're going to come and they're going to tell you that you cannot preach the Word of God and you cannot tell people that things in their life are wrong and that if you continue to say these things that are offensive, then you're going to be thrown in jail and you're going to lose your life. And do not think that that's not going to happen 250 years ago. People in this country were losing their lives for that very reason. And so, what do we do? Do we just listen to the preacher, get red in the face, and go out of here and think, well, I don't know what we're going to do about it? And we can be aggravated. We we can get to the point where we're soured on everybody. And we can get to the point where the devil is winning the battle in your life to where you just don't want to talk to anyone and, and 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 you're acting like you're on the losing side of things, but oh, how we need to be remembered we need to remember who it is that we serve, and we need to remember that we're on the winning side i I am so inspired by by i get on on youtube and and uh there, there was a man that, that used to. Um, well, he was a pastor, and, and then he was also a, a part of a, a a paper that went out, and I think John R. Rice had started it, called Sword of the Lord. And anyway, uh, Curtis Hudson was a pastor for years and years, and then the head of that. And, and he was just one of those guys. He'd go into these big fellowships, and I mean, he could he he could get the preachers so wound up that that they would load their squirt guns and charge hell. You know, that's just who he was. I, an inspiring man, and, and and I'll never forget the last time that he, that he preached in front of that, that conference, that he's standing up there in the pulpit, and he had cancer, and it wasn't but just a couple of months later, he passed away and went into eternity. But he got up, and before he preached, he sang a song, I'm on the winning side. You need to look that up sometime on YouTube, Curtis Hudson, singing, I'm on the winning side, and realize that just a few months later, he passes into eternity. It is so inspiring to me to realize that we are on the winning side. And it doesn't matter how bad it gets, and and it doesn't matter what these yokels want to tell us that you can or cannot do. We do not answer to them. We answer to the God of the universe, the God who is our creator, The God who is the author of His perfect Word that we preach and that we teach and that we tell people the truth about what God's Word says, and I'm telling you, it's not the $100,000 camper and the $60,000 boat and the $70,000 truck or the $700,000 home that's going to bring you any happiness. It's not a better job that you think is going to make you more money, or it's not some other that you're going to have that's going to bring you more notoriety. It's not fame that's going to bring you happiness. It's none of those things that are going to bring you happiness. And it's none of that that's ever going to settle our country. The only thing that will ever settle us is Jesus. Jesus is our Savior. He's our Captain. He's our King. And so here in all this chaos, this psalm was written. As here was this man that had served his country under King David, won many battles, got all of the country that that God wanted to give them. Here he was, the one that that had taken much of that back that Abraham had been given and, 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 the, and, and the the reign being what it was in that time, a wonderful blessing of God. And, and he was the musician who was praising God during this time. And, and, and so then, then, then we, we have a, the, the, the joy that's taking place. And then he goes through the reign of Solomon and he's watching this. He's saying, what is going on in my country? And, and now he's to the point where he's seeing this whole country dissolve. And he writes this psalm. And it is inspiring to us to realize what it is that we ought to look for in a country that truly has jumped off a cliff. And just two simple things that I see in this. In the first 14 verses, we need to focus on God's faithfulness. Focus on God's faithfulness. I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. With my mouth will I make known thy faithfulness to all generations. I, oh, how I love the, the thought and the knowledge and, 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 him, and him writing it down that, that yesterday, today, and forever He'll always be the same. Oh, He tells us that I will change not. God doesn't change. God has always been God. If God didn't like it then, God doesn't like it now. God is always the same. God is faithful. And here we see that Oh, how we ought to praise Him and, and worship Him for, for who He is and, and, and thank God for the power that, that He has shown to us and, and how much He loves us and guides us and will never. Look, when He says, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee, that is a promise by the very God who built the very earth that we're living on today. And when He promises it, He will fulfill it. So Deuteronomy 7 and verse 9 says, Know therefore that the Lord thy God, He is God, the faithful God, which keepeth the covenant and mercy with them that love Him and keep His commandments to a thousand generations. And so what do we do? But we sing the mercies. Sing the mercies of our Lord. Oh, there, there are times where I was teasing with Rory this week where, where we need to work on our mercy a little bit, don't we? All of us. You know, I laughed whenever we took that spiritual test, and, and those that were here that day, we, we we scored lousy on mercy. We're not very good, you know. Somebody comes up through here and trips and falls and rolls over, and, and, and you make sure they're not hurt, and then everybody laughs in this church. And not much mercy going on, you know. And, and a guy comes to prayer breakfast, and you know, tells us something and we laugh at him and say, get over it, you know, and move on. But, but oh, how merciful our God is to us. And how we ought to sing praises to him about it. For I have said, mercy shall be built up forever. Thy faithfulness shall they establish in the very heavens, something that that cannot be touched by mortal men, something that isn't based on anything that is material or, or worldly whatsoever or earthly at all, but, but it's something that's been given to us heavenly from God Himself. I've made a covenant with my chosen, I have sworn unto David, my servant, you know, and, and something, and, and he'll keep that covenant, and we know that in the very end of time that that he'll still keep safe that, that remnant of Israel and and he'll make promises true that he promised David some however long it goes before we see his his patience wear thin and 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 rapture the church out. But until then, we know that he's going to be faithful to Israel, but we also know that he's gonna be faithful to us in the the new covenant that we're a part of today and the promises that he gives us today and 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 how we need to praise him and 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 worship him and Thank Him for, for who He is and, and all the things that He does for us. And, and remember the new covenant that He gives to us and, and the, the promises that, of salvation that He's given to us. And, and Paul even wrote about it in 2 Timothy 1 and verse 12. He said, For the which cause, and, and, and what, what is that cause, to I am appointed a, a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher of the Gentiles, for the which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I'm not ashamed." Why is he not ashamed? Why is he, here he knows that he's going to die for his faith. Here he knows that he's going to lose his life. Here he knows that he's probably not going to see Timothy again. And so he's writing him this letter and he says, I'm not ashamed for I know whom I have believed. I know in that Savior that I trust. I know in the God that, that has promised me these things and promised me the, the eternal life. And I know that whom I have believed and am persuaded and I am convinced and I and I have trusted and 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 that's never going to change that he is able that he has all power to keep that which I committed unto him against that day. Look, the day whenever you humbled yourself in your realization that you needed Jesus as your savior because of your sin and because of the the, 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 the detriment that it was bringing on your life and how that in your rejection of Jesus that, that you were on your way to hell and that at that very moment when you realized that and you humbled yourself and you came to Him and you said, Lord, I know that I'm a sinner and I know that my sin is dark in my heart and I know that I deserve hell and I know that I don't deserve anything but whatever bad that you want to give me but Lord, in this, in my humility and crying out with all my trust, I'm asking you to come into my heart today and save me and give me eternal life and make me a child of God. And he does. And he does. Why? For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but hath everlasting life. Oh, what a joy it is. What a joy it is to know of that promise that He gives us and that He will never leave us nor forsake us and that that He holds us in the very palm of His hand. And we are kept there by His power, not by ours. May I say that you always need to remember that there is a difference between faith and works. Works is not faith. Works is a result of faith. They are different. There are those that want to try to define faith as works, but it's not. You're saved only by faith in the one and only Savior, Jesus Christ. You call upon Him and you trust Him, then you live for Him. And so we see the covenant, and you need to remember that. Oh, how we need to remember as our world continues to crumble and it will get worse. God tells us. You don't believe me? Fine. Believe the Bible. If you don't believe the Bible, I'm sorry, there's not much help that I can give to you today. Thy seed will I establish forever and build up thy throne to all generations. And the heavens shall praise thy wonders, O Lord. Thy faithfulness also in the congregation of the saints. I, I, I love the idea of being able to sing. I, I, I cannot carry a tune. I, I, I would love to. I like to sing. I sing just because I want to. doesn't matter whether you like it or not. And so I like to sing and, and and give honor and glory to God. But oh, how I look forward to the day when I can sing. And I, I know there are some that, that want to split hairs over this and, and say there's no singing in heaven. But but uh, I would just have to disagree with them. And, and it tells us in Revelation 4, in verse 8, it says, And the four beasts had each of them six wings about Him, and they were full of eyes within, and they rest not day and night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. Here are the angels that are standing there in the, in the four corners, and here they are they're praising and they're worshiping God and calling Him who He is. Holy, holy, holy. And then it tells us that the four and twenty elders fall down before him that sat on the throne. May I say that those four and twenty elders, those twenty-four elders that he's talking about, is every believer from day one, from the beginning of Adam and Eve, until the end of, whenever Jesus Christ uh, uh, raptures the church into heaven, that all of those are are represented by the twenty-four elders. If you don't understand why, Go back and study. But you'll see that Solomon during his time, and they built the temple, and then during the the time of the temple that they had 24 priests that were on all the time. And they rotated it through all the line of priests that would go in. And they would serve at a certain time in serving God during that time. Well, we know that we're not in the Old Testament today. We're in the New Testament. And we know about the priesthood of the believer and that, that here we are. We, because of what Jesus has done, we have access to God. And we as a priest can go to God ourselves to the very altar of God, and it's there that we can confess our sins to Him. It's there that we can find that forgiveness of our, and help us in our walk every day as believers today. We are the priests. And here, when you see the 24 elders that are being mentioned, that's us. That's us. Those that have some crazy notion that we as believers are going to go through the tribulation period, you need to ask them, who are the 24 elders? Who are they? I'm not going through the tribulation. If you're here during the tribulation, I'm sorry. You should have listened to the preacher. You should have trusted Christ as your Savior. But here it says that... It says in verse 9, When those beasts give give glory and honor and and thanks to Him that sat on the throne, who liveth forever and ever, the four and twenty elders fall down before Him that sat on the throne... Look, there is nothing going on in this world today that God doesn't know about. And what we need to do is we need to focus on His faithfulness and we need to just continue to sing His praises and be obedient to His Word, love those that are around us, tell them the truth about the Scripture, tell them the truth about the Savior, and stand firm upon what you believe in your faith in Jesus Christ and what His Word tells you and know that He will always be faithful to you. doesn't matter how bad it gets. But we continue to praise him and give him honor and glory in chapter five, verse 11 of revelation, and I beheld, and I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne and the, the beasts and the elders, and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands. That's, you know what that? I, I'm not a math guy, and that's why I married Teresa, the accountant, but, but here we see that, that's a whole lot of people, and that's millions. That's millions of angels. That's millions of believers that that are out there saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing and every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea. And all that are in them heard I saying, Blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him that sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb forever and ever. And the four beasts said, Amen. And the four and twenty elders fell down and worshipped him that liveth forever and ever. Our God. Our God. The one that we serve every day. The one even when this world and we look at this and, and think oh what a mess it is that, that here is this writer of Psalms and has watched his country disintegrate into a civil war and fighting with each other and, and one king not following God at all and the other one just barely you know, just barely hanging on and doing what he ought to be doing and, and seeing all these things happen and, and all that can come to his mind is God I just got to worship you. I got to praise you for your faithfulness. For who in heaven can be compared unto the Lord? Who among the sons of the mighty, and, and I believe the sons of the mighty are talking about the angels themselves, can be likened unto the Lord? No one. God is greatly to be feared in the assembly of the saints and to be had in reverence of all them that are about him. Oh, God is not to be mocked, God is to be feared. It's not Mother Nature that has created that hurricane that's setting off the coast of Florida or Georgia or wherever. You know what I believe? You know what I believe? I do believe that if we as a people of God would humble ourselves and pray and ask for God to take over in our lives as believers today, and to give him everything that he truly deserves, and that we were to beg for him to stop that hurricane, that he can do whatever he wants to. He allows those things to happen to bring us back to who we are. We're children of God, and we need to continue to be a nation of God. I don't know if you saw what the DNC did just this week. They came out with a new statement that, and, and I didn't bring it to read it, but in essence, we no longer support those of faith. We are going to those that are of no faith. That's, that's my representation of it. That's half of our representatives, and the other half is dawdling around. I don't, don't think that, that I'm here to say we need to vote Republican to save our country we need to get on our knees and ask God to save our country. But we see it falling apart. But I am saying, now, moving on. Oh, Lord God of hosts, you, you know something else? I guess I'm just here to offend you today. But Jesus, Jesus is not some Woodstock hippie walking around in his flip-flops and saying peace, love, dope, and all things are okay. I'm truly sick and tired of, uh, and and, and I, 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 I'm just, I'm, I'm, Jesus was not that. Jesus is God. One of the names of God is the God of hosts. You know what hosts are? Armies. Armies. He's the God of warfare. He's the God of armies. Why? Because we're in a battle today. Not so much, it's not with our politicians. It's not with our government. But it's with Satan. It's with Satan. You know how we need to guard against that? We need to understand that our God is the God of hosts, who is a strong Lord like unto thee, or to thy faithfulness round about thee. Even as I was listening to, to to Dylan this morning in our in our connections class and giving thought, and 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 then I I read this verse in the the Lord of hosts. And do you not remember whenever uh, uh, Elisha was there with his men and 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 uh, he had been uh, 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 standing up against the king of Syria and and here the in Syria, part of Israel. And here we go. They they, they hear that that. Eli- standing against the king of Syria and so the king says where is he and they said he's in Dotham and so they they wake up the next morning and the king of Syria has surrounded the tent of where elisha is at and, and his group of men that he has very few men and and the guy goes out the servant of elisha he looks up and he and he sees all these the, this army and and he goes back into elisha and he says what are we going to do I mean we, we have all these men that are coming down and we're going to lose our lives and and elisha in his calm voice just said oh god I pray that you would reveal to him what it is that I can see and and the servant goes back out and he looks up and now he sees all the angels that encampeth around the camp of the righteous and and all of these angels that are guarding and keeping him safe and during that time that that they're cast out with a blindness entire army and all oh, that young servant comes to him and and here they are nobody can draw a sword they can't see anything and and then they don't know what to do and and the servant asks Elisha oh do we kill him do we take them out Elisha said no no let's lead them home He takes them back to the kingdom and allows them to live that's the God of hosts that we serve oh he can show mercy when he wants to There was a time when Jerusalem was being besieged by the great warrior of Assyria. He tells us that he came in and he surrounded that city of Jerusalem. He says, you guys are going to die. If you don't give up, you're going to be done. Hezekiah praying and asking God, oh Lord, you know that we want to serve you and you know that that we as a nation and as a tribe still want to give you honor and glory and God says, okay, I'll answer your prayer. And when they woke up the next morning in this small city of Jerusalem that was surrounded by 185,000 soldiers, they woke up the next day and all of those soldiers were just dead carcasses. And that king goes back home defeated and killed by his own when he got there as he worshipped his worthless God that did nothing. Our God can show mercy when he wants but our God can also be wrathful when he wants to be. Thou rulest the raging of the sea and the waves thereof rise, arise, thou stillest them. I can't but help. I am certain. It's God. It's God's Word. Here He is in this psalm. God, You're the one that calms the raging sea. You're the one when those waves are whipping up so high. You're the ones that still them. And then we move on into the Gospels and And it's there when the disciples who are Jews and and who I'm sure many times had had read these psalms and, and had thought about... During that time, and and had read this very psalm, and had read that very verse that that we just looked at, and and here they are. They're on this ship, and and they're, they're and the waves are beating down upon them. And these men are fishermen, and they know how treacherous things can get. And even these fishermen, who probably could could swim very well, also and could handle a boat very well. They were to the point where they were soon to die if something didn't happen. And, and here they are. And it's at that very time that, that they should have remembered the promises that God given them that He's the one that that calms the raging sea and and, and stills those great waves. And but instead they're they're crying out for their lives and they're afraid and they're scared. And, and then all of a sudden they, they talk to Jesus and they bring him up and they say, what, why are you still asleep down here? And, and why is it that, that you're not afraid that we're going to die? And Jesus steps out and looks at the waves and he says, peace, be still. And all is calm. And all is calm. Oh, how often do we allow the raging waves of this world to how often do we let the raging ways of our own anger and and, and our own insecurities and, and 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 I don't know our own offenses that, that we have and think that we deserve and, and 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 we're watching all of this and we're and we're mad at the government and we're mad at the world and and all of this, this lewdness that's taking place in our world and you're thinking that you have a right to be angry about all of these things and, and it's overwhelming you there's to a point where you think you're just going to lose it all and there's no way that you can handle any more of any of this pressure and this stress and 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 you and what do we do we lose our we lose our families we lose our jobs we lose all those things that that, that have been truly precious to us or, or, and that's what happens many times but, but here what we need to understand and do quit running and, and quit crying out and, and thinking that there's no hope and, there, and you're all in desperation and there's no help look you need to go to the one that can say peace be still all this country can fall apart around us this world can fall apart around us Whoever thought that you'd watch some guy dressed up in drag looking like a woman from hell reading books to our kids and think that we have to accept it. I understand the raging seas. You know what God says? Peace be still. You know what the best testimony would ever be? That that man that was doing that Realize his sin and realize the overwhelming forgiveness and mercy of God and trust Jesus Christ as their Savior and see their sins forgiven and see God show them the true lifestyle that they ought to have. And you can't live in that kind of a lifestyle and tell me that you're a believer and that you're saved and that you're happy in what you're doing. It's a lie, it's just a flat, stinking lie. They get their hearts right. They get their lives right. and We see God use them. That's the power of our God. Thou hast broken Rahab in pieces. Rahab representing Egypt, the first world power to try to stand against God. As one that is slain, thou scattered thine enemies with thy strong arm. The heavens are thine, the earth also is thine. As for the world and the fullness thereof, thou hast founded them. The north and the south, thou hast created them. Tabor and Hermon shall rejoice in thy name. and Tabor and Hermon, a couple of mountains, represents the east and the west. And he talked about the north and the south. All shall rejoice in thy name. Thou hast a mighty arm, strong as thy hand, and high is thy right hand. Justice and judgment are the habitation of thy throne. Thank God for that. <laughs> I saw 4,000 people waited in a line starting at 4 o'clock in the morning to get a glimpse of Ruth Bader Ginsburg come out of her dwelling yesterday saying, I'm alive and I'm doing well. May I say for our chief, for our Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg, unless you repent of your sins, call upon Jesus to be your savior, you will die. And then there will be true Justice and true, authentic judgment from God. But I praise the Lord, mercy and truth shall go before thy face. You know what I picture mercy and truth being? Our Savior. Our Savior is the very representation of mercy and truth. God is full of holiness, justice, and judgment. God is righteous in all that he does and who he is, perfect in every way. And we're imperfect in every way. And how in the world then can this old rotten sinner ever stand in the very presence of a perfect and holy and righteous and just God? Because mercy and truth stand in the very face Of God Himself at the throne. And it's our Savior. And it's our Savior. So, what do we do when this world is falling apart? And how in the world can we be happy in such a dysfunctional time? Well, we keep focused on who God is. And then, secondly, lastly, we blow the trumpet. It says, Blessed is the people that know the joyful sound. You know what that joyful sound was? This right here. Didn't sound very joyful, did it? Kind of sound like a sick elk. <laughs> you know, it was something that they blew in time of war. They would blow this to tell people all hands on deck, the enemy is coming, you need to be ready. It was a time of awareness of, Maybe something coming that, maybe a sandstorm or something. And so, to to tell them to be aware that you need to prepare for something that's coming. It's not war, but it's something that you need to be prepared for. But it was also a time of worship. And it's those that know the joy that it is to come and worship a holy and righteous God. What a satisfaction it is to know that God Almighty has all things under control. Blessed is the people that know the joyful sound. Oh, they shall walk, O Lord, in the light of thy countenance. You know, at time, I'm way past it. Do you know what lights up heaven when we get there? Anybody know? Is it the sun and the moon? No Yeah, in his glory, His Shekinah glory, day and night, for all eternity. the very glory of our God. Oh, and we will walk in the light of thy countenance. in thy name shall they rejoice all the day, and in thy righteousness shall they be exalted. You know whose righteousness that is? We stand. In the righteousness of Christ. Of Christ. Let us walk with him. Let us rejoice in his righteousness. And let us blow the trumpet. Let us hear the joyful sound. And when the biggest challenges in our life come along, we remember his faithfulness. And we worship him. We worship him. You know... You'll never have it. You'll never be able to do that until your heart's been changed. And Jesus is the one that changes your heart. When you humbly come to him, and I don't care how bad it's gotten in your life. I don't care how dark the sin is. God's grace is overwhelming. And When you come to him and you have a repentant heart towards who he is, repentant heart towards your sin, realizing that you're on your way to hell and that you need a Savior, when you humbly come to Him and ask Him to forgive you and save you, He'll do that. It's that simple. You need to ask Him. With a humble heart, pray and ask Him, God, save me. Save me a sinner. And I need you bad. And then you know what it does? You become a new creature in Christ. You have a new heart and a new understanding of everything that's taken place around you. And even when you watch your country fall apart in front of your eyes, you can write a psalm that brings honor and glory to our God. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. And I pray that you do a work in the hearts of each one who's here I pray that you save that one that needs to place their faith in you. No hesitation today. But that, Lord, they get out of their seat. They come to me and tell me that they need to trust Christ as their Savior. They get it right right here today. Right here. Take care of it. and Father, I pray that if there are believers today, that we have just let things overwhelm us that shouldn't bother us at all, The Father, whatever it may be, and however big it may be, Father, we leave it on the altar today. Guide us and do a work in the hearts of each one who's here. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.